don't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail a million times hmm. and fail could just mean you're going to find you don't like it. So just be willing to experiment all kinds of things, um, different environments, different people. Do you want to work by yourself or with other people? Hmm. Um, one of the things about having a food truck is the hours of having a food truck would have been Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which were the opposite hours that I wanted to be working on my business. So those are definitely the most important things, I think. Great. Don't be afraid to succeed either, because I know plenty of people that are afraid mm. to succeed. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, we have Sue Snape. She's my friend. She's a business owner. I think her business unit is one of those businesses that you may kind of second guess you would even think it was a business, but she's found a way to make it work. And not only that, her background has completely had nothing to do with this to start off with. So, Sue, who are you? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> I'm figuring that out about every day. Mm. I am a mom, a wife, uh, an entrepreneur, I'm a creative person, um, a dog lover. This is true. <laughs> I'm really into eating healthy food and being as healthy as I can be so I can do my work that I'm here to do. Cool. So the name of your company is Leafed and Loft and Fun with Food, right? And you were also uh, owner of the food studio in East Cobb. So obviously we're in the midst of covert. Do you want to just kind of give us a little bit of insight to like those business units? How did they work? You know, what was the structure and you know, where are you with those two businesses currently? Sure. So Leaf and Loaf is the company. Uh, I started it in 2015 and it was kind of a combination of all kinds of things food related because when I came out of culinary school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I tried all kinds of things and quickly discovered what I did not want to do, which was actually more important than figuring out what I wanted to do. So Leaf and Loaf was a granola company at one point. I put that on hold for a while. Then I brought the company back and then I started some catering and then some personal chef services. And then I also started Fun With Food, which is a, a children's program, but it's under the umbrella of Leap and Loaf right now. Okay. So first of all, I want the audience to understand, see how modest she was? She just kind of just stated these things very simply, but your original background, you were a director of content for like Nucleus Medical Media. And that's where you and I met, right? We were colleagues. Right. And 
obviously there's creativity in both the environments you are, but I mean, cooking is a completely different creative than digital content. So what did that transition look like? I mean, what did you just wake up on a random Tuesday and said, okay, today enough is enough and I'm going to start cooking? I mean, how did that come to, to fruition? Yes, but it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I was in that field for 16 years. I have a BFA in medical illustration. Loved what I did for 15 years. And one Sunday I woke up and I couldn't stop crying because I had to go to work the next day. And I was like, this is not right. This is not how we're supposed to live. And so I, with the support of my husband, we just decided it was time for me to quit. And so that was a a process sort of, that took a little bit of time, but um, I quit and didn't know necessarily what I was going to do after that. I worked with a career coach for a while which was a little bit scary because Mm -hmm. she said that we'd work intensely for two weeks together. And at the end of those two weeks, she would have an answer for me. And we get down to the last meeting where I'm like, oh my gosh, what is she going to tell me I should be? And she got on the phone and she was like, "Uh, this has never happened before. I don't know what to tell you. Hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? Where's my refund? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Right. I just did all this work and you have nothing for me. But then she said, you know what, give me a couple more hours. I'm working on something. And then she called me back and said, you need to go to culinary school. And I was like, I am 40 years old. What are you talking about? Looking back, everything I did outside of my medical illustration was food related. I would go to the grocery store at lunch just to walk around. Nice. So I quit my job and went to culinary school. It's crazy. Hmm. Crazy. So, I mean... Obviously, I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta as well, too. So I definitely understand that that makeup, right? So what was like your main thing, your main attraction once you got into culinary school? Like what was that eureka moment to say, oh, my God, I love this. I want to do this for a living moving forward. Well, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss. I knew that I was done working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot in culinary school, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Knowing I wanted to start my own business, I was thinking about starting with a food truck, but then thought, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I had two little kids at the time. And so I decided to work for somebody else and to learn a little bit more about the industry before I jumped into my own thing. So I worked as an employee for someone and ran a a restaurant for five years and learned so much more in the first like six days of that job than I learned in culinary school because it was specific to what I wanted to do and just sort of felt my way through that and figured out what I liked and what I didn't like about that environment and just sort of gave a, threw a couple of things out into the wind to see what worked. Gotcha. So, I mean, the strategy that, that you're talking about, I always look at it as a paid uh, apprenticeship, right? I mean, it gives you an opportunity to get paid, but you're learning as you go. And obviously you're doing it for the end goal, which is to start your own thing. And a lot of people, I think that that's part of the hurdle of overcoming the fears of stepping out from corporate America and thinking they're going to be absolutely with no revenue for a period of time. So uh, as always, I mean, your insight was essentially dead on, dead on. So during your experience, I mean, what's the craziest thing you've experienced as far inside of food? I mean, what's the tea or the drama behind the scenes? I mean, I don't know if it's specifically with food, but with my own company, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just being willing and able to say no to things. Okay. I'm really working on that every day, and I've gotten a lot better in the last year about not taking every possible job that comes to me. But that's mm-hmm. the life of a business owner or a contractor or a freelancer. Mm-hmm. You just you're afraid to say no because you got to take the work when it comes in. 
but I found that I was taking on jobs that weren't making me happy, that weren't actually pushing me through to the company that I wanted to have. And so I was turning down work so that I could stay on track to building the company that I was envisioning. Okay. So you're talking about building companies. So, I mean, a lot of times people always have the question about how should their company be structured? So I know you have like a business background as well because you were a director of content. So you understand a little bit more behind the scenes. Are you set up more of an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp? What's your structure looking like? So I am an LLC, but for tax purposes, I'm a C-Corp. So Gotcha. 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 Yeah. That's good stuff. So, I mean, are you a sole owner or do you have any partnerships? Just me. Another thing I decided straight out of the gate was I was not working with anybody. I had heard too many stories about family members and friends mm-hmm. that had partners, you know, like 50 50 mm-hmm. or 49 51%. And that 1% where, makes a big difference, right? Oh my gosh, where it just, they, all those relationships just crashed and burned, and I just didn't want to deal with it. So it's just me, which is good and bad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, there's extra weight to carry on your shoulders. But I mean, I think you're up to it. I mean, what you wake up on a a routine basis. And I've been looking at, you know, Facebook, you know, because I'm big into Facebook, right? So I think one of the greatest things that you've done for your brand is you wake up every morning, and you essentially instead of doing a motivational quote, you kind of do what are you grateful for? Mm -hmm. So how did you come up with that idea and that concept? And how are you tying that back into your food business? Well, I started doing that. I've always been really grateful. And I really like to pay attention to the little things, Mm -hmm. um, that whole mindset. But when COVID started, schools closed here on a Friday. Mm-hmm. On Monday morning, I thought, mm. so I had a bunch of classes of like 100 students that all of a sudden I wasn't going to see anymore. And my mm-hmm. program was essentially on hold. And so I thought I have to do something for me to get out of bed every morning and to give myself a reason to keep going. And so I started my gr- gratitude post, which was supposed to be for me. And people say, well, why didn't you just write it down in the journal? I don't know, actually. It just, I don't think too much about things. I kind of just do what my heart says to do. And so I started posting something I was grateful for every morning on Facebook. And people were really like gravitating towards that Mm -hmm. and telling me, even like this morning, people are still saying, your post is the first one that I see every morning and it starts Mm -hmm. my day off on the right foot. So it's been good, not just for me, but I guess for other people too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament to who you are. I mean, considering that COVID happened, right? And I guess this is a good segue to step into that pivot point that we talked about before this call. Most people would have hit that pivot point and they would have seen some failures and they'd have been like, damn, what do I do next? They would have rolled up in a ball, cried and put their hands up and it would have been over. But instead <laughs> you took that energy and you put something positive out there. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about that pivot point, because, I mean, you were owner of essentially two separate business units, right? And right. you had to close one. So what did that look like, closing one, keeping one, and what was that pivot point? God, I've pivoted so many times mm-hmm. in the last six months. I have, like, casters for shoes right now. <laughs> so Leaf & Loaf is, again, the company, but I have some personal chef clients. So I would cook for families two days a week and then teach – three days a week. Mm-hmm. Fun with food. I'd go into schools after school and educate, motivate, and inspire kids to eat real food. So I had about a hundred students. And also last October, I opened a brick and mortar, a 400 square foot, awesome little space called the food studio where I was having classes there as well. So I could have classes whenever I wanted, right? It was my mm-hmm. space and I could schedule whatever I wanted. I could have birthday parties. I could have just classes, 
it was fantastic because I wasn't limited to just having classes in schools during after school hours. So October comes, I get all my stuff, I move it all in, I set it up, it's going great guns, like my business is thriving. I've got personal chef clients, so I've got a balance of elementary school kids that keep me light and on my toes, and then a more professional aspect of my business, which is creating beautiful, nutritious food for people. It's a really good balance for my head and for my skills and everything. And then COVID hit and I was like, well, holy cow, I have no idea. Like nobody had any idea how long this was going to go on Mm. and how many months it would take before A, people were willing to go back to doing things in person and B, is what I was offering going to be top priority for them? And both of those answers for me as a business owner were like, no. It's a great program. I love what I do. People love what I do, but it's not a priority. So I had the option to close and get out of my lease early, which was a huge gift. Mm-hmm. Because paying rent on a space that you're essentially closing up, as many restaurant owners know, it's tough. Yeah. So I waited for this to find the space for like nine years. And then in um, the end of May, decided to close it up. So I was only open for a couple of months, but I have people saying it's coming back. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I think that that's a, a good segue. And honestly, I mean, the space that I'm in, I'm really big into like growth strategy and I'm faced with that with my clients on a regular basis of that pivot point. And just hearing you speak and seeing the content that you put on social media, you know, what's your thoughts as far as converting the food studio into like a digital online studio, a digital online course to where you're just doing food preps and you're doing a subscription model to where people are, hey, they're spending five, ten dollars per month to see you cook a meal step by step, kind of like HDTV, right? Or the Food Network, but it's more personal to what they're used to getting from you, your quality. You're going out to the farmer's market and recording content and saying, this is how I pick this particular fruit and this is why. Have you thought about doing something along those lines? So that was my first pivot point, actually, was just going digital. That first Monday, along with my gratitude post, I started Mm -hmm. a Facebook Live because I still had the food studio at that point. Mm -hmm. So I just went live and showed people how to make some recipes and... People that I didn't know were following me. I had somebody mm-hmm. from Thailand log nice. in and watch what I was doing. And I was like, what? How do you even know about me? You live in Thailand. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. And then, so that day I was like, wait a second, this could be my hair standing on end right now. I was like, this is great. My whole mission has been to reach more students, mm-hmm. to touch more kids. And I was sort of tapped out doing that in person because I'm just me, right? I can only be in so many places at one time. So then I realized doing this online, I can reach everybody everywhere. I don't have to be limited to five mile radius. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some Facebook lives, worked with lighting and sound. That was huge. That's there's a huge learning curve there. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started recording videos and putting mm-hmm. them on an online platform so people could purchase like essentially a, a series of classes, mm-hmm. less expensive because it wasn't live. And I was like, this is the way to go. I'm going to be online. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. be perpetual um, income. I'm going to be on the beach drinking fancy drinks. But I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like recording to nobody. I was watching what I did and technically things were great. It was fine. But what 
brings me joy and enthusiasm is the people on the other side, the people that I'm talking to or teaching or looking mm-hmm. at. And so recording to a camera didn't work for me. I did a couple of classes and just decided I have to do this live. So pivoted again and reached out to a couple of students that I knew would give me honest feedback. Mm-hmm. Not that all kids aren't honest, but these kids were yeah. always honest. Did a, a free class for them just as a trial and loved it. Like it brought the joy back. And so I started doing some online classes over the summer and it was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. So schools are still not in session. I still have some online classes that I'm doing and just started last week. I've got a kid from Virginia, a kid from Washington, kid from Colorado, and I don't even know how they found out about me, but that's a huge benefit and a way to look at the situation more positively. Gotcha. You definitely understand the business model of like the passive revenue stream. So it it seems like for this to work, right? In one aspect of it, you need to have live. But on the back end, you had clients that were willing to watch your recorded videos. So are you thinking about possibly recording your live videos and putting them on a membership site? That way, after you're done with the lives, you're just filling in the content. Yes. Step and repeat. Yep, perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. Is that website up? Is it built? How, how are you looking as far as development? Uh, it's on the Teachable platform right now. Nice. Nice. So, perfect. And it's fun. There's videos, there's quizzes mm-hmm. and the quizzes are, you know, we're not doing anything for a grade and fun with food. Mm-hmm. It's just to motivate kids to eat real food. Mm-hmm. So the quizzes are fun. There's some downloadable recipes, some mm-hmm. coloring pages and things, a whole selection of things to, mm-hmm. to play with. Gotcha. Well, this is time for a shameless plug. I mean, what's the name of the teachable <laughs> course? It's fun with food. Yep. Perfect. So if you log on to teachable, you just go to fun with food and uh, it should come up. Great, great, great. Hence why she was the director of content, people. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we always hear about the 20 years it takes someone to get to a level of success that's always perceived as an overnight success story, right? How long have you been chasing the dream to get to where you are currently? Still chasing it. But I've been working for myself for six years. And that if that was my dream, I'm there. Yeah, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And... I was always, even working in medical illustration, I was always looking for ways to emulate things that I liked about bosses that I had. You know, even going back to college, I always worked in restaurants. So there were things that I loved about people that I worked for and things that I didn't love. So I sort of kept a list and a journal of things that I wanted to be if I ever hired somebody Mm -hmm. and things that I thought worked for running a company and things that didn't work. And I always look for the teaching points in everything, whether it has anything to do with culinary or food or students, there's always something to learn from everything. So I just sort of gathered those things all along the way. I'm still learning every day. I learn something every time I teach a class. Hmm. Nice, nice. So, I mean, on this journey, right? I mean, obviously you're saying this journey is a wave, which all journeys usually are. There's always highs and lows. What's one thing you would you would done differently if you could do it all over again? Hmm. I'm well, pondering. Not, yeah, I'm not saying I did everything great, but I don't know that I w- would do anything any differently. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything was sort of an experience and an experiment. So if I had, knowing what I know now, I honestly don't know that I would change anything that I'm doing, except, no, I was going to say hire someone, but no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nope. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's a testament to your passion to what you do. I mean, you loved every aspect of what you're doing since day one. So, I mean, that's a rare find. I mean, even with like billion dollar business owners, there's always, well, I could have done this and made it to a billion dollars a lot faster. Oh, I could have made it to my first million a lot faster. And for you, you're just kind of like, I love the journey. <laughs> I love what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about money as the success point, that's a whole other conversation. But um, that's not, hopefully I will get to that point where I can take some of what my company has earned and, you know, put it back into the community, help kids, give them scholarships to culinary school, whatever. I mean, I have dreams of that, but that's not success to me. Mm. Gotcha. So it sounds like on the roadmap, it looks like, you know, possibly you may be developing a foundation down the road, possibly, I mean, to filter that money. Definitely. So I had at one time over the summer, I had somebody contact me and say, Hey, I want to pay for a scholarship for one of your students to take your camp. Hmm. It was a week long camp. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. So I threw it out on Facebook. And within about three minutes, I had someone that said, I would like to take advantage of that scholarship. Awesome. The next morning, I get a text from a friend that I knew from the cafe where I worked for five years that said, Hey, I saw you had that scholarship. My wife and I want to do the same thing. We want to sponsor 10 students for your summer camps. I was just like, oh my gosh. I was just overwhelmed. And so I had 10 kids sign up like in a second for my camps, which was great because everybody's financial situation right now is different. Extremely yeah. different from one another, but also different from where it was in February. So it made me realize people really want their kids in my program, but finances might be an issue. So that was a great, great thing because I got to meet kids from all over the place on this scholarship. And also I have recently applied for a grant that would essentially pay for all of my classes for like a whole semester. And I would just allow kids to just register for the class and take it without, without much of a fee at all. So still waiting to hear on that, but I would love to structure my company in more in that direction. Gotcha. So, I mean, that, that's a a shift in your business, right? So Mm -hmm. what does that scholarship look like? I mean, is it an ongoing thing? Is it online? Is it that people can kind of just log in and click donations? I mean, how does that work? I mean, obviously this would be a time to kind of make that announcement. Right. So I have on my registration form, I have a checkbox that says I would like to sponsor a child to take this class. Okay. And so if people check that, then they would get invoiced for the extra student. And then when I have, and there's also a checkbox that said, I would like to accept your scholarship offer. Hmm. And so that isn't super huge right now because nobody really is, I mean, class enrollment right now is pretty, pretty low. But I think that moving forward, that's something that I'm definitely going to have. And I have been in a situation where we had, I mean, when my, one of my kids was really little, we had to tell him that he couldn't play soccer for the big league because we couldn't afford it. Hmm. I never want a kid to not be able to take my class because of finances. So I've always said, if you need a scholarship, just let me know. No questions asked. We'll get it taken care of. And so the company has given out a couple of scholarships over the years. So really, I just throw it out into the universe. Hey, if you need a scholarship for your kid to take this class, just ask and we'll get it squared away. Well, the the beauty of the world that we live in, right, with the economic structure of systems, right? Right now, there's bear markets. We have bull markets. And to my point is, is that 
some people may be in decline as far as funding right now, but it's other people that are becoming millionaires as we speak. So there's no reason to not put it out there because like you said, you found somebody overseas that you didn't even know. You may end up finding someone in China that just became a multi-millionaire in the industry that you're in and be like, great, I want to go ahead and sponsor your classes for the next three years. So I just, I think if you're going to that business model, I would market and promote the living hell out of that. Yep. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. You have an, uh, 54, being an entrepreneur, do you come from an entrepreneur background? Were your parents, <laughs> uncle, anybody? No. Uh, and I'm laughing because my mom's a retired nurse and my dad was in computers. Really? Nope. I didn't come from a lot and there was definitely no entrepreneurial anything. I mean, maybe I started when I sold Girl Scout cookies. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it just sort of came out of years of working for someone else and me realizing I didn't want to do that. I missed out. In all of the jobs that I've had as during the time that I've been a mom, I've missed out on things that my kids were doing because I had to work. And I don't want to ever say that again. So my kids are big now and they're, you know, they're still my kids. I don't want to ever say I can't come watch your swim meet because I have to work. Hmm. So. And yeah, it's a good thing you brought up the kids. I mean, we were just talking about Eva, not to be confused with Ava, right? Earlier <laughs> today. And so we was talking about, I mean, she has a little hustle to her as well. I mean, what is she, stuff that she's building and developing on her side hustles right now? At the beginning of COVID, we bought our sewing machine and she's been sewing all kinds of bags and clothes and she buys things from thrift stores and brings them home and washes them and cuts them up, and makes new things mm-hmm. out of them. It's super awesome. She's also taught herself in about three minutes how to crochet in the car on YouTube coming home from the Mm. store with yarn. And she just crocheted this awesome bag. So she's doing all kinds of things. And she will one day have her own business because Mm. she used to like take my seltzer water out of the refrigerator and go to the Mm. end of the driveway and sell it for a dollar at the end of the driveway and come in making $17 off my canned water. So She's she's got it going on. And then um, our son who just turned 18 is starting his own business while he's in school and working Mm -hmm. um, to start his own little design business. So, yeah. So, I mean, Owen is taking up what uh, a structural in design or I mean, what what, what? industrial design, industrial design. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So again, the apple doesn't fall far, far from the tree. So let's say we fast forward 15 years from now and I'm sitting down and having this conversation with your daughter and I'm like, are you from entrepreneurial background? The, the entire story would be completely different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And actually my son was just talking about that. Someone asked, so he's, he's working with a business mentor mm-hmm. to get this company started. And they said, do you, you know, do you know anybody that has their own business? And you're like, yeah, my mom has her own business. Huh. So what is his business going to be? I mean, what is he going to be designing? I'm not sure yet. Cool. 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 I don't so, I mean, so many types of design, you know, who knows, who knows what his, thought processes. That's a really good point. Cause I mean, again, you and I worked together at a medical illustration, right? Medical animation firm. And that was designed, but you're also designing food. Your son is an industrial design, which is a whole nother monster. And technically your daughter is kind of in the fashion design area a little bit. So it's multiple different facets. So it's it's not really a limitation to just pick design. It's niche down to to what you love to do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you brought up your family. I mean, what's your work family life balance look like? Ooh, it's, it's pretty great now, um, mm-hmm. but it's always been a struggle because I've mm-hmm. always put 
a lot into my business because I had to get it going, right? I had to get it off the ground. I got to work, work, work. But to me, it wasn't work, work, work because I love it. But other people were look like other people in my family were looking at me going, you know, you're just working all the time. And I was like, I'm not working all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what it looks like from the outside. But in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to try this. Oh my gosh, now I have this idea. Holy cow, what about this? And it is really hard to turn that off. So not that we should turn that off, but there is a point. I think you know just as well as I do. Yeah, yeah. We got we got to find that balance, right? Between family, health, you know, our mental health, physical health, spending time with family. It, it's a work in progress. So when COVID started, I just decided, you know what? The idea of working like nine to 12 and taking a lunch hour and then yeah. working one to five, who does that? And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. And so I started that, that, you know, loose schedule for myself. So after five 30, I just decided I wasn't going to touch my business anymore and things are still working. Got it. Got it. I mean, yeah, I, I am definitely with you with that. It got to the point to where, forgetting to eat was like my worst habit. So I've used Alexa and I'm saying, Hey Alexa, set an alarm every single day at noon and all the Alexas go off in the house. And I'm just like, okay, whatever I'm doing at that point in time, I need to get up, go get something to eat. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's your morning habits? I mean, we touched on it a little bit. Obviously you wake up very early. You have enough time to write a post and all your posts are, I'm thinking very organic. You kind of wake up and I don't think they're predetermined, right? You kind of wake up, take pictures or whatever it is and you present it in that moment. So what are your morning routines? So I used to get up at 445. That's not happening right now, but I'm usually up by 515, 530. I do a little like seriously like three minute meditation i have some books that i like to read it's just a quick little something it sets my head straight and then a lot of times reading that will help me realize something that i'm grateful for or i just go to make the coffee and realize i'm grateful that i have clean water Mm -hmm. um i do my gratitude post i usually like to put a photo with it um because i'm that visual person and then I do a workout for a while. My husband and I were just walking a couple miles every morning, but then I realized that it was great and it was time with him and time outside and breathing, whatever, but it was more meditative. I needed to like bump up my cardio and my weight training. So uh, every morning we do a 30, 35 minute, pretty intense workout. And then I sit down and have my coffee And then I do a post for a Facebook group that I started called I Can, I Will, which is a a private group that I thought would be like five of us. And there are like 76 people that are in the group right now. Just kind of a a motivational, how can we support each other, be healthier, you know, more efficient, better moms, better human beings for the planet, all of that. And then I take a shower and I start my day. Usually like by eat breakfast, usually by 830, I'm working. Got it. So I think one of the big things that that you brought up and a couple other guests on this show have brought that up is within those first hour to two hours in their morning, it's an opportunity to read. And I see you have a couple dozen books behind you. Is any books that you want to pull out to what you're reading right now currently? Those are all cookbooks, actually. Okay. But I do. I'll show you the book that I read every morning. Let me grab it. Great. All right. So I'm not a big reader, believe it or not. But somebody told me about this author. So I started reading this book. It's called Change Me Prayers by Tosha Silver. Okay. And it's truly like one little two-pager, maybe. Mm. 
that sort of sets my head straight and making myself a better person. So there are little um, things to read, like I need to be stronger by doing X. It's great. But since we're talking about business, this is also another book that I love of hers. It's not your money. Um, Cause I've struggled with the whole concept of money all my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, the whole fear and scarcity thing, there's not enough money. What am I going to do? I'm going to run out of money. Mm-hmm. The premise of this book is it's never our money. It just sort of passes through us to get to other places. And that changed my whole outlook on my business making money mm-hmm. and me having money as an individual. And when I started to sort of let go of that, money started coming in. Yeah, it's the, the, the rules of attraction, right? I mean, it's if you yeah. think of it positively. And I think a lot of times people think of personal development, self-help as kind of like BS in the sense of like, if I think it, it should I should, it should become a reality, but it changes your, your state of mind. The book that I'm reading right now is The Five-Second Rule. And in that five-second rule, it's a simple thing. You, If you're faced with adversity, if you're faced with a hurdle, you don't want to wake up in the morning, you literally just count down from five to one. And just by doing that, it's like a rocket. You're going to jump up and do whatever it is. And in those five seconds, it changes the algorithm of your brain to say, stop making these excuses and get it done. So, I mean, I definitely want to look into that book, the one that you just showed, the last one, definitely. So, I mean, since we're on a topic topic of books, I mean, obviously you have a million recipes, you're a motivational speaker in your own right, even though you may not see it that way. Have okay. you ever thought about combining those two and creating like a motivational cookbook? I have. And it's not a cookbook that anybody would think of as a cookbook mm-hmm. because I don't like recipes. I mm-hmm. mean, you see all of these cookbooks, but basically when I use a cookbook, I'll flip through it just to get some ideas. I close it up and then I go do my thing. That's gotcha. where medical illustration and my culinary time sort of overlap because I see it as more of a creative thing. Mm. Uh, And that's how I teach also. I don't want people to just follow a recipe because that's not learning how to cook. I want you to Mm. taste and smell and experience the whole, all of the individual ingredients as you're going along, that kind of thing. So my cookbook will not have any words. So it's going to be like comic book style, like visual storytelling. Kind of. Don't want to say too much because it's such a good idea. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's going to be like a flip book. Okay. But it's going to okay. be a way for people to create recipes that yeah. are all vegetarian or vegan. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, when are you planning on releasing that? As soon as I get it done. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working well, uh, on it a little bit. Like, I've, yeah. I've got a mock up of the whole concept of me being the only person. I always have these giant expectations for myself. Like, mm-hmm. that book was supposed to be done three summers ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in its own time, I guess it'll get finished. So. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's another good thing because, I mean, you're talking about essentially doing like a flipbook cookbook. So you're going to need illustrations, which is a great segue to talk about your husband, who is an illustrator that does these awesome illustrations. Please tell me he's going to be illustrating that book. Oh, he was on me for getting this book done <laughs> okay. so long ago. Yeah, definitely. He great. also did my logo. He's done all my marketing materials. Yeah. So there's the other creative in the house. I mean, it's, it's a house full of creativity. It's all yeah. four parties. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. where do you see yourself in 20 years? Uh, not working. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 50. So in 20 years, I'll be 70. I hope I have the opportunity to not have to work and mm-hmm. maybe just be a mentor to some students or some young kids. 
Uh, honestly, I, I don't really know. I say that. I say I hope I don't have to work, but I can't sit still. So yeah, whether or not I have to work or not is different from whether or not I will work. And I will never not work. I will never not have something to do every day. So do you see yourself still possibly owning a business in 20 years? Would it be like you and your business running parallel or eventually you're going to sell it off and move on? Or what's your thoughts on that? I actually did look into franchising um, okay. with food a couple of years ago. And I think somewhere down the line that that's definitely going to happen. I mean, maybe, maybe 10 years. Um, mm. You know, I, I looked into it again, right, right before COVID. And then I was like, mm, no, not the time to make an investment into that. I got to just keep my business afloat. And mm -hmm. when we come out the other side, I'll start looking at some of those things. Got you. Got you. So what are some tools that you would not be able to run your business without? My laptop, for sure. Okay. Um, healthy attitude. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Is there any particular software to use? Your village? My village. My village is definitely my family, for sure. My yeah. husband, absolutely number one. Um, but I have just been given so much support and love and care and motivation from people that see what I do and, and support me. I, I couldn't have done it without them, especially when times where I was like, oh, forget it. I'm giving up. I'm not doing this anymore. And they'll be like, nope, just wait to go to sleep. When you wake up tomorrow, it'll be a new day. And so, hmm. yep, that's how I'm rolling. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. So, if I'm a, a brand new entrepreneur and I'm thinking about getting into the food space as the general genre, I have no details whether I want to be restaurant owner, whether I want to be online learning, if I want to write cookbooks, what words of wisdom would you like to leave behind for them coming up behind you? Hmm. Don't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail a million times. Hmm. And fail could just mean you're going to find you don't like it. So just be willing to experiment all kinds of things. Um, different environments, different people. Do you want to work by yourself or with other people? Um, you know, one of the things about having a food truck is the hours of having a food truck would have been Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which were the opposite hours that I wanted to be working on my business. So those are definitely the most important things, I think. Great. Don't be afraid to succeed either because I know plenty of people that are afraid mm. to succeed. Got it. I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely true. And the reality is in my business unit, I see that all the time. There's always people that are fearful to make that step and they get comfortable currently where they are, but they want to be bigger. They want to do more, but they don't want to take that step forward. And and that's like, for me, what I've seen is like the biggest fear mm -hmm. is the fear of actually winning, not the fear of losing, but the fear of right. succeeding. The responsibility that comes with once you make it or you achieve your goal it's kind of like, are you going to settle for that goal or are you going to try to achieve something new and keep growing? Yes, absolutely. So where can people find you online? I know we talked about a couple of your business units before, but you want to go ahead and kind of just list off a couple um, websites, Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. So my website is leafandloaf, all written out, .com. Same website, but different URL is funwithfood.fun, F-U-N, because that's super fun, right? I'm on Instagram, sue.snape.leafandloaf, and then Facebook, Leaf and Loaf and Fun with Food. <laughs> got it. Got it. So as the, I always call this the bonus round because this is kind of like the extra questions, right? So 
if you could spend 24 hours in one day uninterrupted with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, it would be my grandpa. Why? Because I feel like he visits me pretty often. He was a butcher and well, I know he's proud of what I've done, but I would love to see him again. Was the bonus run supposed to make me sappy? <laughs> I mean, the thing about the bonus questions, I've staged them in a fashion from the psychological standpoint to allow people to let them shine. I mean, business is great, but you know, who are you really? And everything you've said from the start of this podcast until now has been a hundred percent driven towards your community towards people and towards making the greater good. I mean, that's what you really represent. I'm using food to do that. You're using your background, but everything that you're doing is for that purpose. So by saying is your granddad, I mean, it only makes sense that you kind of get a little bit sappy with that, right? Yeah. So he was a butcher and he also mm-hmm. owned a grocery store. Great. So, so, I mean, that goes back to that question. I mean, he did, he, there's a little entrepreneurial history in your family there. You know, I didn't even think about that. I was always just thinking one generation back, but you're right. Yep. Got it. Got it. So as far as achievements go, what is your greatest achievement to date? My kids. To be able to be so proud of who they are and what they're doing. I don't care what they do in terms of careers, but as long as they're compassionate people, they're kind to everybody and they work hard. And that's exactly who they both are right now. So. That's my biggest achievement. If you can be um, achieving as a mom, yeah, I'm winning right there. <laughs> great, great. So this is the part of, of the podcast where I usually just kind of open up the floor t- to my guests to ask me any questions. I mean, what questions you may have for me? Hmm. How do you find balance? Because I know that didn't always, and maybe you're still looking, <laughs> I don't know. I know that hasn't been uh, a big part of your past. Yeah, part of my past was just work 24 hours a day every day. <laughs> and just make it happen. And then post-stroke, once I had a stroke, I had to kind of reevaluate things. And that kind of gives me an opportunity to essentially schedule my days out. So I always have a section of my day in the morning to where I wake up and kind of get things done before anybody else wakes up. And then throughout the day, I knock things out. Then I have my alarm goes off for lunch. And now that the kids are working from remote, it gives me opportunity to you know, keep my thumb on their backs. You know, hey, what's going on? Did you follow up with the teacher? Make sure you get everything done because two o'clock comes or three o'clock comes. We're going to go out and go do something. I, I mean, currently right now we're like in Florida and I was like, dude, I want to go kayaking. Well, let's just get what you got to get done. So by three o'clock, we could be on the water. Yep. That's awesome. So, you know, I have two kayaks. You're welcome to borrow anytime. Yeah. I mean, you are like less than a mile away. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Any other questions? How is your family helping you balance all of the work? I mean, you do so many different things. Mm-hmm. Yep. So with that, I've structured all my businesses kind of like in a sense of yours. I mean, you're talking about courses, book development, cooking, online courses, but they all go back to one main topic, food, right? Mm-hmm. So I've streamlined all my businesses. I got rid of all the ones that were in inside the one hat, that the okay. one genre. So that was the first part. The part of my family helping out, well, Alex, she's a writer. So it makes perfect sense. I'm writing books, helping people publish their books and, and I'm going more into the publication space, right? I mean, I'm on book mm-hmm. book five or six that I've published for myself and I'm working on two books for clients and I've published one book for a client already. So it wow. just gives me opportunity to say, okay, I have three other editors and I have an editor at home. 
Mm-hmm. So I, it gives me the opportunity to, to give her content and pay her to do the editing work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay is an entrepreneur on her own right. She's always hustling. She's a big sell things online. So she'll find something around the house and repurpose it and resell it at as close as retail value as she possibly can. So night and day, she's always selling something. So I always get the random questions from her on the how-tos. And yeah. it may not seem like it's a balance, but for me, it's kind of like mentoring her on, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. Um, we set her up with print services, right? So now she has a printer. She's printing on t-shirts, printing on hats to resell these products online. That's awesome. And and Koi is kind of the anomaly. He is, he's been an entrepreneur family his entire life. So it's yeah. kind of like a, a gift and a curse. Like every yeah. once in a while, he may come and ask a question about something, but he doesn't really have the drive to step into that space. But, you know, he's a, he's a developer. He's been coding for like the past four years. So it gives me opportunity while I'm working on something while I'm developing. So he's like, hey, what's that? And I'm like, hey, come on. So it's not necessarily them helping me, but it's more so positive distractions to take what I've learned and give back to them. And again, it brings the family a little bit closer in unity as yep. far as we're working on similar things. Yep. Yep. And it's all, it's just about spending some time, right? It doesn't matter yep. what you're doing. If you're all mm-hmm. together spending time on something similar, it's mm-hmm. balance, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely balancing. The beauty of it is I think we're in an age to where technology could be in our favor if we use it correctly, if we're using it to not just the monetary gains, but how do we manipulate our time? Like we're time traveling every single day. How can we maximize the time that we have and make 24 hours feel like 72 hours? (laughs) That's really my goal every single day. Okay. I got 24 hours. I have to sleep in there. I have to eat and I have to stop. How could I maximize my time and make things work in my favor? Yeah. Is there any one thing that you figured out with that? Anything we can all emulate? So the one thing that I, I figured out, which obviously any large corporation has figured out, right? It's been since the, the 30s and 20s they've done this, is hiring and outsourcing. I mean, that's the only way to, to, to maximize your time and, and let people be themselves. Uh, when I'm doing outsourcing or I'm hiring people, my first question is, it's like I've hired them for X, but I'm like, okay, X may be the gambit, right? You could hire me for graphic design, but maybe I'm more of a, of a creative director, which is a different thing. So I'm going to ask them, what do you really want to work on? So I hired you for this, but what is it that you love to do? And usually maybe three out of five people that ask that question, three of them will say, well, what I really want to work on is this. So then I'm going to transition them from this to this. And then the other two are kind of like, I want to work on everything. And I'm like, no, no, no. What, what do you really <laughs> want to work on? Because everything really means that either you're just doing it for the money or you have no clue of where you are or what you want to do. So I tend to work with more people that know what they want. And I give them those products and those services and, and let them work on that because that's what they want to work on. And by doing that, they show me that not only they know what they're doing, but they'll call attention to details. And that's what I'm really looking for. It's like, there's a little bit of details that I may have missed because I'm doing 25 things. It's your responsibility. I'm paying you for that. And then they'll bring it back to the table. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep that in your pocket. That's going to be your baby. You manage that. You run that moving forward. Yep. And happy employees are productive employees. Extremely productive employees. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. It's a pleasure having you on the show. I think you definitely gave some insight to not only a strong woman, but a strong business owner as well. And and that's the goal of this podcast is to deliver that content. And you're a family person. So it's three 
three for one when do I look at it? <laughs> awesome. Well, that's flattering. Thank you. Well, I definitely appreciate it. And so what's on your schedule today? I mean, you, you're going to cook something or? Oh my gosh, probably not. Today's a pretty packed day. I have a meeting with the school. Mm-hmm. I have a class this afternoon and then I have another, another meeting after the class. Wednesdays are pretty busy. Great. 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 All good. Just trying to uh, keep things rolling. Great. Well, I definitely appreciate your time and, and we look forward to following you online and, and seeing what you come up with next. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much. Have a good one, Sue. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you, please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember, to become a Boss Uncaged, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash Uncaged.